Sports Talk with Craig and John brought to you by Plastic Surgery Associates. Over 36 years of serving the region for face, body, and skin. Go to PlasticSurgeryAssociatesOfSD.com. Just uh, paying homage to the 80s and 90s, Craig, with this rejoin music here. Makes me want to go play Tecmo Bowl or something. <laughs> I love Tecmo Bowl. I did too. I don't, I don't, I can't count uh, how many times I won the Super Bowl. Who didn't love being Bo Jackson in Tecmo Bowl? Oh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. They've scored a touchdown every time. It's uh, Craig and John, Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, KWSN.com, and the free. KWSN mobile app. You can get it on your phone or your smart speaker. The head coach of the Sioux Falls Storm, 11-time indoor champion. He's an analyst for Midco Sports Network and SDPB on high school and college games. And he joins us on the Tires, Tires, Tires family. And every Monday throughout the year, he's Curtis Riggs with our football digs with Curtis Riggs. Hey, Curtis. How we doing, fellas? Not bad. Uh, hope you're okay and... How much of a tech mobile freak were you? Loved it. Yeah, my roommate and I, Caitlin DeBoer, would, I mean, we would sit and play that thing um, over and over. I, I was the I was the Raiders with Bo Jackson, and he was always the 49ers with uh, Jerry Rice. And, you know, the teams always have that one unstoppable play. Um, but, yeah, played a ton of tech mobile. Of course, Curtis was the quarterback of that 96 national title team at USF under Bob Young. And Kalen was a receiver, and they both uh, broke a bunch of records. And um, did it get between you two? So you were roommates with him. We just have been watching just how competitive Michael Jordan was. Uh, did, how competitive did it get? Like, did, was uh, was it all in good fun, or did we have some, you know, some spittle flying every now and then? <laughs> Uh, it would depend on the stakes. You, you know, usually if it was just us playing, it, it was fine. But if there was a tournament or something where more people were brought in, then the competitiveness, yeah, it, it got amped up. Oh, boy. And was there alcohol involved ever? No, 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 there uh, was. <laughs> well, yes, you were at USF. Good Baptists, right. I'm sure. Um, yes. You mentioned Kalen DeBoer. He's out at Fresno State. Have you talked to him recently and the frustration maybe he's going through as a first-year head coach at Fresno and trying to build that team and get ready for the season? Yeah, I, we just um, actually yesterday talked for a, a, a long period of time and kind of went through everything. And, um, you know, that it's still a big fear for them, Craig. And, and we talked about how, you know, they have a larger population in their area but their numbers of cases are, are much lower than ours. A lot of that contributed to Smithfield. Um, but they still are in major lockdown non-negotiable until May 31st. And what they're hoping for is to start getting guys back on campus, hopefully in July. Uh, but he said they have a weekly head coaches conference call, and they just go through all the, the situations. You know, what if we get four games in? And there's a, a second wave. Um, how do we, you know, and they just, they're trying to make sure they're prepared for just about everything. 
Yeah, I, I can't imagine knowing Kalen a little bit that I do that, uh, you know, he, he wants to get this program up and going and running and be on all cylinders right away where he's kind of held in check. It's got to be driving him crazy and, and just being a first-year guy, even though he has been an assistant there in the past. Yeah, he said, you know, the one thing they um, are extremely diligent about their recruiting, um, but it's all virtual. You know, when we had just talked, he said they just um, did a big virtual call with almost their whole staff with uh, a quarterback, their number one quarterback. And he goes, you know, we are every other day with this kid. And, um, you know, they, he started rattling off some other kids that they're doing the same thing with. And um, that's what they spend majority of their time is, is virtually now communicating with the, the recruits. Yeah, I was going to say, that's pro- I, that was where my guests would be where all the time, and not all the time, but a lot of the time and the energy are spent because you can still do that, and uh, that, that aspect of coaching never stops. I hate to put you on the spot about this because the goalposts change or, or move all the time, and uh, you don't know all the answers, but you're, you're, you're a rather keen guy. I know you're following along with college football specifically. If I had to guess, just to spitball with no ramifications of my prediction, SEC, Big 12, Pac-12, uh, School of Power 5, those places, uh, it just feels like they're going to find a way to play or at least play all their conference games. There is too much money to lose. It's just too much money to lose. They're, they're, they can't. And they're te- these cities these teams are in, like Lincoln, it's not just the $50 million or so you're going to make from seven home games. It's the 3 to $7 million that go into the Lincoln area businesses uh, that will be lost, businesses that thrive and depend on those seven to eight Saturdays a year. And I just don't think powers that be are going to ha- somehow allow that to happen, although fans in the stands and the money that can be made from them, there, there might be less control over that. But at the very least, the TV money uh, to make, no matter what, if these games get played. But the, the, there feels like there's a less likelihood of the group of five, which Fresno and Kalen are in, but especially if you go down to FCS and anything lower, where it's just not as big of a money sport, th- there might be less of a chance of those teams playing. Does that sound at all uh, logical? It, you know, John, I, I think as you look at Power Five, um, yes, the money is is driving everything. Group of Five, then you look at the money, and, and even all the way down to FCS, the money being so important to allow them to be self-sufficient is really the big dilemma Um, because if they don't have the football, especially football season, basketball would also probably be deemed in there. Then it affects every other activity on campus. I mean, those schools are profitable sports um, with football, basketball. uh, They are what really allow the other sports to happen. Um, and, and even right now, you know, schools are looking at, do we cut some of these other sports um, because of the cost and, and the, the money they've lost? You know, some people don't even look at the ramifications of just not even having summer events. All the colleges have had to cancel all their summer camps. Summer camps for the colleges are huge money makers. Well, where's that money going to come from now? And you're looking at creative ways, like what SDSU did this last weekend, having a big fundraiser and raising over a million dollars. I mean, schools are going to have to really be creative to find ways to bring in this money, or else, you're right, they're going to call it off. It's going to be called off. I mean, schools are looking at furloughing uh, assistant coaches, 
um, you know, members of the activity association for their departments. Um, it, and when one does it, then it becomes a growing trend. Hmm. Well, we've seen a handful of other colleges or universities say that they will be getting kids there. Um, Oklahoma State has done it. Uh, Arkansas, I think, today announced. You know, we're getting a small sample, at least right now. Even the South Dakota States, the USDs, the other South Dakota public universities, they're going to bring the kids in this fall. That's the plan. And we'll have to see if there's going to be any others that will add to that. And, and that's a great start because, you know, even like Kalen, one thing he said is if we don't have kids on campus, we're not going to be playing. Um, and so getting kids on campus is definitely a step in the right direction uh, as long as we're safe. I mean, that's the thing we can't forget about, too, is, um, you know, a second wave or anything like that happening. And then what do we do? Hey, let's switch to the uh, the NFL. Big news out of the NFL. I like the move. The Dallas Cowboys sign Andy Dalton as a backup to their starter down there. Did you like that move? Well, I'm not a Cowboys fan, so uh, no. But I think for the Cowboys, it's a phenomenal move. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's not to um, – he's not going to take Dak's job, uh, but – you have a very solid, viable backup quarterback that has led his team to the playoffs. I think four straight years he took the Bengals to the playoffs. If, if Andy Dalton has solid players around him, has a, a good defense, you know, he's really a Trent Dilfer. I mean, he's going to go in there and do what you ask him. He's not going to make spectacular plays, but he'll do enough. And so it's a very good signing for the Cowboys. Know how many NFL teams after their starter fall off a rock uh, for their backup quarterback? This really helps out the Cowboys if Dak gets hurt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who's the Vikings backup quarterback right now? I think it's still uh, Sean Mannion. Sean, yeah, Sean yeah, Mannion. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. There's a lot of teams in that same situation. Uh, you know, I mean, the Patriots. I thought the Patriots would try to get him as their starter. In case the the um, the Auburn kid they have Stidham. doesn't kind of yeah it doesn't work out, um, then you got Dalton who you know you can at least win some games with. But uh, really a bold move for the Cowboys to get him before they've even signed Dak. I think that's the one thing everyone's up in arms about. Okay, I was having discussions with uh, friends, a uh, little beanbag tossing, a campfire get-together the other night, Saturday night, and a couple Cowboy fans are in there, including Gilbert, and the other one was just, uh, it, it felt like, woohoo, we got Andy Dalton. And I'm thinking, okay, you're a 500 team last year, and I get it. It's exciting. Uh, it's very exciting, the prospects of CeeDee Lamb and now Amari Cooper, and you know you have Zeke. Okay, that's great. Uh, Andy Dalton's a middling quarterback, and some of his years in Cincinnati, when they were you know wild card, first round exit teams, he had he actually had some weapons. He had better uh, surroundings than he than he has the last couple of years. I don't think he's bad, Curtis, but I mean, it just feels like to oversimplify it. Both Dak Prescott and Andy Dalton are average quarterbacks who need who need help around them. So I don't think this really lifts anything, or Dalton's that much better of an option than Dak. Or uh, you know what I'm getting at? You agree? I do, I do, and I, I think you can't look at it in that light. You got to look at it as we just got someone that was a, a seven year starter for an NFL team, and now he is our backup quarterback. 
So now yeah. it's someone that we don't have to really worry about getting a lot of reps for in practice, and we can rely that he would be ready um, to come in, take over the starting reins if needed, and get us through games. Allah, very much like someone that did that in Minnesota and then ended up getting a contract with the Broncos. Yes. And I mean, so, it, you know, it's just you have a reliable backup. It's not about, hey, any flashy, glamorous thing. It's just someone that is you don't have to put a lot of time and effort into, and they'll be ready to go. Right. I mean, the Vikings' approach is quite obviously we're, we're screwed, and we're, we're, we're okay with this. We're just yep. relying on our healthy All guy. All the chips are up. All yeah. the chips are forward with Kevin. Yes. Uh, now, the Eagles, on the other hand, that's another different one. I know we talked about Jalen Hurts last week. Um, what, I mean, what, what skill sets do you think Jalen Hurts has as a quarterback? If he had to play quarterback and they're not just using him as a fun circus act, um, to, to, to play a tech mobile video game, which Doug Peterson loves to do, how equipped is Jalen Hurts to, to be a viable quarterback if Carson Wentz gets hurt, which he does every year? Well, year one, he's going to struggle. I, I mean, he's going to struggle drastically. He's not Kyler Murray meaning he can't create like Kyler Murray can. But even with what Kyler Murray can do, he was still the most sacked quarterback in the league. Jalen Hurts has to see guys still and then throw to him. So, you know, in their spread system in Oklahoma, even when you watched him play in that system, he still a lot of times relied on the athletes that they had getting open, then throwing to him rather than anticipating the throws. He's going to have to develop the timing of the NFL. It's, I mean, there's a learning curve still for Hurts. But, Curtis, aren't the quarterbacks today, compared to even five years ago, aren't they in better condition to be prepared for the NFL game? See, I, I think it's a little bit the opposite, Craig. I think the NFL has done a little better job of dumbing down the game for the quarterbacks coming in. I think the NFL has adapted a little more to the college scheme than the college scheme saying, hey, we got kids NFL ready. I think it's been the other way. Um, You know, that way they're a little more inclined to come in with the verbiage not being so overwhelming. Um, Because some of the teams, in fact, you talked to Terrence Christian, when he first went into Seattle, uh, the verbiage was uh, unbelievable compared to what he was used to at at South Dakota State with a, a, you know, a hurry-up style offense. And that was probably the most daunting part for him. But then when he went to other places, like when he was in Arizona for a little while, he said the verbiage was very much like the hurry-up style offense of what they had at SDSU. So I think NFL teams are trying to adapt a little more to the strengths of the college quarterback. Hmm. All right. Curtis Riggs, our football digs. Craig and John, Fox Sports 981, AM 1230, and KWSN.com. Since we've been doing a lot of Cowboys and Eagles, just how does it feel like those two teams are, are, are headed? Especially the Cowboys, because they were these two were going right down to the end, and the nine and seventeen beat out the eight and eight team, and ultimately didn't have, it, neither of them had any real bearing on the on who was going to the Super Bowl from the NFC. What about this upcoming year, particularly with the boys, who a lot of people are really excited about with what they'll have on offense? Well, I mean, it's every year. It's the same. It's to the point now where. Uh, do it, then we'll believe it. I, I mean, now you just you kind of fall into that, that trap of, I've done this in the past, I'm going to say they're just going to be a 500-level team because 
They're going to win games, but they're going to lose games, too, that they shouldn't. And until they stop doing that, that's kind of where I see them in. And I do think that division, though, I I think there's still a lot of learning for uh, Washington, even though a huge improve their defensive line is really good. But offensively, they're going to struggle. I think the Giants still will still they'll be pretty good. Um, and, and then you know the Eagles and and uh, the Cowboys. Hey, did you guys see that uh, special on on Alex Smith? Uh, I, I I have not wanted to take a look at it. I have not oh, wanted to see the yeah. pictures. I did yeah. close my eyes a couple of times. No, I'm not. Yeah, good at that. I, I I will say it is very graphic. But that guy, I mean, what he has gone through, uh, unbelievable. And and the fight through that, and I I think most of us had no idea. Uh, but you're right; it is extremely graphic, but very powerful. Mm. Uh, we, he's uh, he's got more screws in his leg than I get at Fleet Farm. Uh, yeah. full supply. Seventeen surgeries and cutting oh. off flesh-eating bacteria. Wow, wow! <laughs> no, I uh, I have steered clear at that. I'm not. I, I am. I, I I fall quite weak with uh, imagery like that. I'll take everybody's word for it. Well, and, and the one thing we should let everyone. I mean, they show everything. <laughs> they show the flesh-eating bacteria. Oh. They show when they remove. Uh, Thanks, Curtis. Large parts of his leg. They show it all, so people uh, should know that. But it, you want to talk about um, grit and determination and heart and um, family sticking through this. Mm. Um, it's all of that. Mm. Curtis Riggs will stick with us for a few more football digs. We've talked about a former North Dakota State quarterback in Carson Wentz, and here he is, a viable NFL player when he's healthy. What about the one right now, Trey Lance and his NFL potential? Next on Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, KWSN.com. Can't hear the show on the radio? No problem. We're always live at KWSN.com and on the free, easy-to-download KWSN mobile app. The KWSN Fan Line, brought to you by Tires, 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 your give-you-more tire and automotive store, with two stores to serve you. Go to Tires3.com. He's Craig Maddock. I'm John Gaskins. Just over 10 minutes from now, one of the co-owners of the Sioux Falls Canaries, Tom Garrity, joins us. The Twins actually someday bring AAA baseball to Sioux Falls don't we need to know about the future of the independent team that already plays here right now? Uh, it appears the birdcage will be demolished within the next five years. What What is the Canaries' outlook on the future? And certainly they, they, they're going to be taking some hits in May with uh, home games being scratched out and the American Association not starting until early July at the earliest. So it was a good time to get Tom Garrity on anyway. So we'll uh, we'll get that angle on that topic, which was a big one on Friday and over the weekend. And if you missed it, there's details, kwsn.com. And our conversation with Lavelle E. Neal, the third Twins beat writer, who says Sioux Falls is hungry for baseball, chomping at the bit, would move heaven and earth to bring it here. Uh, Twins AAA and uh, T. Denny Sanford being one of those people interested uh, details, Mars Body Shop podcast page. It's all there, kwsn.com. Curtis Riggs continues our football digs. And by the way, um, with the storm, you know, obviously you guys didn't get, uh, aren't getting to play, and your season is canceled at the Sioux Falls Arena. Um, but o- over the last few years, what you guys keep winning and keep winning and win titles, or at the very least, you make every championship game. 
Um, can you kind of explain uh, from just from your own angle? I know you don't run the business side of things, but you're a coach and a GM. You're you, you know all of them quite well. Um, what has been more difficult of just about getting people in this town to go to, to to buy tickets and go to sporting events in the last ten years or so? Well, the the toughest part for us is is we've created our own monster. Um, it, you know, the expectation is that we'll be in the championship game every year, and um, you know, a lot of the games during the regular season, uh, we're going to blow that team out. Um, and we'll just come watch when the playoffs hit. Um, you know, some of those issues are what we have. To have the steady following um, for all seven home games and the playoffs, um, it gets to be difficult. And it, it, it's difficult in this area because as the weather gets nice, people want to be out doing so many different things. So to have those steadfast fans that come every time um, is a growing problem. Well, I know with all of our sports properties in Sioux Falls, uh, they label themselves as they should, and they do, that it's uh, for the whole family. Um, so families are able to go to all of these events. And I think you guys have done a good job with that, too, trying to get families to be a part of it, maybe on a Saturday night to come on out. Yeah, and, and that that is different from our previous venue, uh, Craig. When we played at the old arena, it was... It, it was a little more of the adult-style crowd, and, and it seemed like it was um, probably a little more, you know, alcohol was consumed at the old arena, and um, it, it just uh, it's changed to where when we moved into the new Premier Center, um, it was very family-oriented. And, and we adapted very well. Um, Jim Laurier was very instrumental in helping us with that, um, and it became more community events, community drive, um, rather than just, hey, come watch just a football game. you got to find more bells and whistles and more ways to get the community involved than just the football game. Yes, and I was going to say, is, is that an aspect where you can relate to or empathize with the Sky Force and the Canaries who have both had this, their own struggles in the last 10 years or so with attendance? Yeah, we definitely can. And, and you know, even one thing I, I, I know talking with the Sky Force, you know, one thing that, um, I remember early on uh, when they played at the old arena and, and it was the CBA, you know, they would pay for great halftime shows to come in. And when we were the storm early on, we wanted to do that same thing. So we would pay to bring people. Pretty soon you're like, wow, this is really adding up. And when you don't pay, people notice. When you, when you don't pay to bring in that halftime show, people will contact you and let you know about that as that's part of what they wanted to come in and see. Mm. Well, then you feel obligated and it becomes very difficult. And then you start to get maybe fewer people in the stands and not as much money to pay for those types of shows and where's the commitment. And it, it becomes very difficult. And the Sky Force, especially as many games as they play in a season, that's a huge commitment for them. Mm. Um, Curtis Riggs joining us here on Craig and John. I was thinking about this as you mentioned how some of these colleges, uh, like your buddy Caitlin DeBoer at Fresno State, they're losing money because of a lack of football camps. Uh, and I'm sure it's the same thing with any other sport, these kids that go to these camps. Uh, how about the Riggs Football Academy? I mean, how, how are you doing? Uh, we should ask about you and your business uh, yeah. during the pandemic. Well, it's been tough. I mean, we had to cancel... Um you know, the South Dakota High School Football Coaches Association Clinic, the North Dakota State Clinic that we're doing. You know, we're bringing in um, Marvin Lewis and Hugh Jackson, and, and, and that one was big. Um, 
and then we've had nothing going on since. But we are actually starting up with some small group stuff uh, this week, um, preparing for. We're doing a virtual combine um, May 19th through the 23rd, and this is the 100 kids that registered before March 14th. Once the COVID hit, we shut everything down. We wouldn't accept any more registrations. Now we're going to bring these kids back in small groups, less than nine. We're going to have a virtual feed, a live private feed for the college coaches because they can't leave campus. All the colleges have quiet, uh, quiet period now where they can't leave campus, but we can bring the show to them and we'll um, feed and, and showcase these kids training and working out in front of the, the coaches on the, the private feed. Very cool. Very cool. Um, A listener sent this along while we were chatting last segment. Um, I'm not seeing what this listener is seeing uh, when it comes to 2021 NFL quarterback projections uh, with Trevor Lawrence of Clemson being at the top and with Justin Fields of Ohio State being at number two. A caller claims he has seen Trey Lance of North Dakota State as number three. That'd be after his sophomore year in the FCS. I'm not so sure about that, but what do you see of him and his pro potential whenever that may be? Well, I think by the time he's a senior, then, yeah, he very well could be up there. I mean, you look at the pedigree, you have Brock Jensen, um, Carson Wentz, uh, Ethan Stick, um, and now Trey Lance. Yes, he could be. Uh, most definitely not after a sophomore year. I mean, remember, his freshman year, he was throwing about 15 passes a game usually. They they really simplified it and brought him along. And then they started to unleash him a little bit towards the end. And he just made unbelievably athletic plays. Now, we're going to see more of that, but you will see some mistakes going along. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the time he's a senior, yeah, I, I think we will see Trey Lance definitely up there. Um, you know, in the first round of the draft pick. Hey, uh, always appreciate spending time with you, Curtis. Be well. All right. Thanks, guys. Curtis Riggs, head coach of the Sioux Falls Storm, the Riggs Football Academy director, the analyst, Midco and SDPB, always kind with his time. All right. What are the Canaries' thoughts on their stadium probably being demolished in five years? The Twins' AAA possibility coming to town and a new stadium. Let's talk to one of their co-owners, Tom Garrity, next on Craig and John. Goodbye, Goodbye, Everdeen. Everdeen.